We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Are you vulnerable enough to, like, cry when you feel bad? Or would you hold it in? I didn't think I could cry. And what concerned me was I was becoming so busy that I went to my first my first girlfriend. She was my first. I went to her funeral because she passed away. Oh, wow. And um, when I went there, I couldn't cry because literally I had somebody that was waiting for me outside to finish some interview and documentary thing I was doing. So I'm like, hold up. Like, I got to slow my life down. I wasn't able to cry. I wasn't able to feel. And when I went to my father's gravesite, I cried. And I didn't know that I would or, like, if not, I would have been troubled if I didn't. I cried, and then I was, like, joyfully crying because I'm like, yes, I cried. Like, I can't believe it. Like, I feel something And good. I let it out. I'm human. Yeah, yeah. and I felt better. ASAP Ferg is one of my favorite modern rappers, but he's much more than an MC. He's a super creative person who designs clothes and dreams of having his own clothing house one day, and he's brilliant enough to pull it off. Believe that. We had a conversation that takes on a life of its own and flows far away from everything I planned to ask him. We go from talking about his hit Plain Jane, which I love, to welcoming ASAP Rocky home from jail time in Sweden to talking about Jeff Koons and Damien Hurst and the meaning of modern art. I love this conversation. Let's dig in. It's ASAP Ferg on Torre Show. Plain Jane is a monster song. Thank you. And, and I, I want to hear about writing it, making it, is it multiple takes? Are you punching in? Like you know, it, it, and it's an interesting vibe to it because you talk about family, right. talk about pain and trauma, but you also right. talk about hanging out, having fun. A lot of in uh, the chorus is crazy. Thank you. I love the fact that you broke down everything I talked about because I feel like plain Jane people love it. I don't know if everybody knows why they love it or right. like if. They can um, pull out those parts, the trauma, the the uh, the cookouts that you that we used to have to dodge gunshots and um, you know me going to Liberia for the first time and coming back and feeling like I had to do more for my community. Um, Hermes Linka Feeder Village in Liberia that came from me spending like a hundred thousand dollars on a chain with Ben uh, Bimbola and then going to Liberia. 
and seeing how much starving kids is out there. And I was like, I came back, I wanted to give all my jewelry away. And I was like, man, like a, a link can literally feed a village in Liberia. And Did I, you give some money to them? I went, I was going out there to put uniforms on kids because out there, like they can't um, go to school without uniforms. So I was going out there, put uniforms on the kids. And um, it was with this actual brand called Uniform. Okay. Uh, Chid Liberty is my partner's name that um he started this brand because when the the Ebola outbreak happened out there in Liberia, a lot of people were scared to buy product out there. So he had a lot of materials and things like that. So he brought a factory and he um hired all of these women that didn't have jobs and things like that to make uniforms out of these uh materials. And he would use artists that has um influences and and just influence, period, to collaborate with, to sell clothing and um, partner up with Bloomingdale's. So that's what I did. I basically partnered up with him and Bloomingdale's to make a line with some of the material. Uh, I designed a line with Trap Lord and Uniform. We sold it. The money went towards putting, some of the money went towards putting the uniforms on kids. Wow. Yeah. I want to talk about design because I know you're into that too. But yeah. like, talk about making this record so plain jane did you was the beat first you wrote in the studio or so i listened to juicy j slob on my knob like on on a cop i was in la and me and my uncle was just listening to the the radio and it just came on and i'm like yo this song is amazing like it hit me it's like i had a epiphany like nobody did the song over and i'm like why doesn't this happen twice in the song Checking with me, and everybody screams that. I mean, the whole song is like a hook, really. Yeah, or a it long is. bridge. It's so sticky. But it's so dope sticky. to start with the hook. Yeah. Instead of a lot of people start with a verse and then yeah. build into it, but when you yeah. start with it, that's the Beyonce loves to do that. Right. But the song don't even have a hook. It's just really the sucker nigga dick or something. So that comes one time and then it's like back into the verse. But I don't even know if that's really a hook. And Juicy J said that's his first song. That he put out and he wrote, like, which is intriguing to me because that's a huge song. Um, so I went right to the, as soon as I got to the hotel, we were stuck in traffic. I had this idea just brewing in my head to write to the Slava Manab beat. And then um, I was like, man, I gotta make this shit new. I gotta make it feel like young. Um, the young people got to own it. It got to be an anthem for the young people. And I got to say something. I had so much to say on this record because I just came back from Africa. I've been traveling the world and i am always got the New York state of mind, but I'm like everywhere. I was like, yo. And I wanted to get an underdog to work on a beat. So I got Kirk Knight. Okay. Yeah, to do the beat over. I'm like, yo, bro, I got a banger for us to do. Kirk is like... He's amazing. Like, he's amazing. I, I can't think of anything else. Like, a genius. And um, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit or people don't even know the heights he can go with his music and his musicality. So when I approached him, I knew he would bring me different sonics and different sounds, but also understand the BPM and how important the 808s is and the drums and everything like that. And um, I laid the verse down and... 
I recorded the whole thing. I didn't even put that footage out yet. I recorded the whole thing on my my Apple on my computer, on my laptop. In the hotel. No, in the um, inside the studio. Okay. The whole process of me and Kirk working on it. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna put that on YouTube today. The whole process from start to finish of him making a beat, me going in there and reciting it, everything. And um, it was magic. At first, Kirk was like, uh, yo, I think you should project your voice more. Like, I think you should, like, really rap, like, kind of, like, more aggressive and more, like. And I was like, nah. I wanted to do it laid back so everybody could feel like. It's their tone. The beat is really hype, but you are laid back on it. Exactly. You, you, like, you're not shouting. It's very, it is very like restrained. Ride with the mob. I'm, I'm in the booth like this, checking with me. Ending your job. Ferg is the name. Ben Bullet did the chain. Tunnel for the watch. Crazy playing Jane. Yeah. And I just let the oof, like the ad libs go crazy. Yambagini chain, rest in peace to my superior. Hermes Linker feed a village in Liberia. TMZ taking pictures, causing my hysteria. Mama see me on BET and start tearing up. Like my mother see me on BET the first time, just start crying. She like, you don't tell me nothing. She don't know what's going on. Her friends gotta tell her, her son is blowing up. I mean, you come with that line. Then you're talking about, you know, Uncle Psycho. I'm going to start killing niggas. How you get that trife? I attend the Harlem picnics where you risked your life. What is that? Harlem picnics where you risked your life. What is that? All right. So growing up in Harlem, you couldn't go to a picnic without somebody getting shot or like somebody shooting in the air, crowds running and trampling people. Um, and then everybody comes back. Like you, everybody leaves go across the street and then they come right back across the street <laughs> music gets turned back on and it's almost like nothing in the happen <laughs> and like you risking your life going to these cookouts all for you to dress nice like i used to make these chains back in the days like i always been into design and making chains and jewelry and everything like that and i used to like i was inspired by pharrell and nigo i used to make these big medallions back in the days they didn't know what that was like i was making it out of zawaski crystals and they ain't know if it was diamonds or not. So I was really risking my life. Like five people I made chains for got robbed. Like really robbed. Like call me like yo, Ferg, I just got robbed for my chain. And then sometimes I knew the niggas that robbed them. <laughs> so I'm like calling niggas. I'm like, yo, you know, uh, y'all got a chain. It's like a black Barb Simpson. And it, like, that's my boy. He, he live in the Bronx. They like, Ferg, we just got it. I'm like, give, give him back his chain. I, I did that. <laughs> like, and you can get him his chain back like that? I get, I get. Sometimes I could do it. Sometimes I can't. <laughs> sometimes it's just too late. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where you risk your life? Uncle used to skimp work selling nicks at night. Skimping, he used to skimp work. Like he used to sell fake work or skimp it like a little bit of whatever, and the rest cut. It's like whatever you cut it with. Uncle used to skimp work selling Nick's at night, but I was only eight years old watching Nick at night. Uh, Uncle Psycho was in that bathroom bugging, knife to his gut. I hope that he don't cut him. What is that? My Uncle Psycho going wild. He's bugging, threatening to commit suicide. You yeah. really witnessed that? Witnessing that, yeah. Like, hope that he don't cut him. Suicidal thoughts brought to me with no advisory. Like, nobody could warn me that that was happening. One thing I wonder, like, because being young and seeing, like, your uncle wanting to commit suicide right in front of you, like, why not make a whole song about that? I did. 
What I didn't song? I didn't write a song about that in particular, but I wrote a song called Psycho. Yeah, you got to listen to it. It's on uh, Always Driving Prosper. Okay. Yeah, it's deep. Like my family got involved, and like my cousins is calling me, like, "Yo, my students is in my classes, like asking me about the record." And what happened in that moment? Or has that happened a lot? Was he suicidal? Like, a lot, or just nah? Was- I mean, his name is Psycho. So, like, my uncle was just wild back then. Like, the best way I could describe him is like a light skinned version of ODB. Okay. And um, he have addiction. Yeah, definitely dealing with uh, addiction and um, just like I guess early like mental, mental. Uh, I don't want to say illness, but just like going through things like struggling mentally and. You know, I guess like his his harsh realities, always getting into fights and things like that. But we all know it's, it stems from something. Yeah. Um, I don't know exactly what it was, but uh, yeah, I talk about it in a song called "Uncle" that I did with Clams Casino. Okay. Back in the days, and I talk about it in a song called "Psycho" and "Let It Bang" on um, "Always Striving Prosper." My uncle and his voice is actually throughout the whole album. Oh wow! Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just talk about, like, uh, I'm talking as if I'm him and uh, the song Psycho. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, this line, I'll fuck your bitch for the irony. Yeah. That line fucked me up. (laughs) Yeah, I'll fuck your bitch for the irony. what What does that mean to you? It's just like getting at anybody who doubted me. And it's not even like literal, like to the sense of where it's like I'm directly fucking somebody's bitch, but it's like whatever, whatever it is, it's like I'm just gonna succeed. I'm just like a bitch could be like just another hit record. Like I'm fucking the game, like and I'm fucking it up. Like if you didn't want me to succeed, that's what it is. That's your bitch. Like I'm gonna succeed. The first two thirds of the song. You talk about family, you're rhyming like hard sounds. Mm-hmm. And then that, I think it's in the third verse where you switch, right? You talk about, I'm in the sunken place. And then you do the easy, like a whole like yeah. long string of easy. I'm in the sunken place, no Instagram, I'm watching TV. I think I trade my breakfast, lunch, and dinner for some kitty. Please believe me. I see Riri, I'm going to eat it like Panini. Like, I'm just talking about like, I'm just in this rut. I was in a rut, in such a rut. And like at that time, I was going through the like I was going through things with my manager, like my accountant stuff wasn't wasn't really like my work ethic and everything that I imagined for myself just wasn't adding up. So I, like I that was all of that coming out. So that's when I say I was in a sunken place. I was fucking depressed. Right. Um, no Instagram or watching TV. Like I'm focused. I think I trade my breakfast, lunch, and dinner for some kitty. That's how that's how hungry I am. Like I ain't, I'm not even in no pussy. <laughs> like I think I trade my breakfast, lunch, and dinner for some kitty. Kitty, please believe me. I see Riri. I'm gonna eat it like panini. But a lot of people will switch to a certain sound and do it for like four, and mm-hmm. then switch to another sound. But you really zoned in on that sound for it's a good eight or twelve. It flow. I go dumb up in the I go dumb up in the bra, I hit them walls like graffiti. I'll hit them walls like graffiti. Indian burns all up on a nigga wee wee. 
I think I need a foursome. Bella can do Bella Bella can do Gigi. Please believe me, it'd be easy if Renizi hook it all up on a Leezy. I mean, in that one, you're really doing it internally. Yeah. Right? So it's not just the on the and on the four, but it's yeah. on the two as well. Yeah. So you're thinking about like, let me like you like you've been hitting all those E sounds yeah. and then there's like an orgy of them. Yeah. But then were you thinking on about a more personal point? It was like, I think I need a foursome. Bella can do Gigi. It'd be easy if Renizi hook it all up on a Leezy. I'm talking about Renell. Renell is cool with Renell is my girl. It's cool with all of these <laughs> girls, and it'll be easy if she could hook it up on a low, the Leezy. <laughs> so it was like an insider, and whoever knew knew like. Right. Yeah. I mean, did you write it quickly or does it take a while? Nah, it didn't take I wrote it in a hotel. In what? An hour, a couple hours? I don't know. I was locked in. Probably like probably like an hour and a half, two hours. I'm not even sure, honestly. When you rhyme, you go straight through? Are you punching in? Like I do both sometimes. Sometimes I write the whole song. Sometimes I write a verse and then I go freestyle the second verse. Sometimes I freestyle the whole song. I do that a lot. I freestyle the whole song a lot. Like I freestyle wham, which is a song I got with Made in Tokyo. That's on a new project. I freestyle. uh, Did I freestyle floor seats? No, I think I wrote floor seats. But I freestyle the hook. Floor seats is another banger for you. Um, it's oh, can we can we before we go into floor seats? Thanks everybody for allowing and making um, Plain Jane my biggest record of all times, three times platinum. I never would have even dreamed that I'll be coming out with a mixtape or an album or a single, uh, a song getting played on the radio. I just didn't dream that big, let alone a song going three times platinum. Thank what did, you. What did you think you would be? At this point in life? Uh, I always knew I'd be special. Some type of creative, uh, whether it be doing fashion, art. Because I went to high school for art. I went to art and design high school, which my father also went to. My father did the, did the Bad Boy logo. He did the Uptown Cast logo for Andre Harrell. He made the Bad Boy logo? Yeah. Puff gave me the chain. He gave me the, the Bad Boy piece right here. Wow. Yep. That's an iconic logo. Yep, he did the Bad Boy logo, the Uptown Cats logo. Um, so I just took after his footsteps. I was designing, doing graphic design, doing silk screen printing. I used to do like all D-block shirts, all like making a band shirts, loon shirts, black rob shirts. This is all like junior high school going into high school. How did you learn how to design? Um... I was just experimenting. I didn't know what I was doing. I just was having fun with it. I didn't know if I was, I didn't consider it designing. Like I was just like, I knew I wanted something different. I knew I wanted shit that people ain't have. Like I throw my jeans in the tub and I heard that bleach or Clorox could turn into a different color. So I'll try it and like let it dry and it'll come out dope. And I start doing my friends stuff because they like what I did. And then people just started wanting to pay for stuff for me to do it. And then, like, oh, I'm designing. Oh, people want to buy stuff. Oh, I got a business. 
So you weren't really driving and hustling. You were just artistically just... What you mean by driving and hustling? I mean, like, it, it sounds like I was trying things and then people want to buy it instead of like, yo, I got to make some money. What am I going to do? I'm going to do this and then try to flip it. Like, no, well, I was like, I was being creative and people dug it. So then they started buying it. Yeah, and I was smart enough to provide the service. Like, my father taught me how to first paint on t-shirts because he used to do like Nicky Bonds t-shirts and like all of the big hustlers back in the days. He used, they used to pay him like hundreds of dollars for like a drawing of them with a chain and a and a car logos and stuff on a um car. So I mean on a uh shirt. Um so like he taught me that trait of like painting on sneakers and doing stuff on shirts. So I picked that up first. The moment I went to school with my shirt on, they're like, yo, that shit is crazy. You got your name on your shit and all of that, your favorite character on your shirt. I'm like, I did this word. I'm like, yo, bring a T-shirt and I'll do it for you for $30. Bam. Yeah, just basically pay for my supplies and stuff and I just do it. And I was like, yo, people really like this. And it's taking me extra long. Um, We're going to up that to like about $60. <laughs> And then I'm, I'm finessing now. I'm like, all right, I could throw some crystals on there for like another $50. Now we we up $100 per shirt. Plus the T-shirt. You got to get a good T-shirt. We got to go to like H&M or something. <laughs> get a American Apparel or something like right. that. The part of what's dope is that you're close with your dad. Mm-hmm. And he's able to help you, show you the way. You're able to watch him and learn from him. Right. And a lot of brothers don't have that. For sure. Um, major impact in my life, idol. I didn't look up to like rappers and artists and things like that. I looked up to my mom and my dad. Wow. And my stepfather too. Like my my stepdad is a businessman. He went to school, got his master's, uh, accountant major. My mom also graduated college. Um and like my father was just the most amazing person ever artists brought me Versace stuff when I was in junior high school $800 sweaters and Coogee's pants when I was in uh, Catholic school I have to pay like a dollar for free dress day I always like came through with like the nude trip back then Um, but yeah like he taught me how to hustle too like he taught me like how to create and he taught me how to create a business and and um, depend on myself because I remember where he would like before he had his own store he would take shirts to Fat Joe's store in the Bronx and like drop off stuff and sell stuff and like come back and pick up his money uh, however he was doing it he taught me how to do that like one time you know we was printing these this is when like basketball teams was popping in jerseys and all of that we like made these t-shirts with all the teams on it like from the NBA and different colors and everything like that. And this was hot. Nobody was doing it. That was another thing he was good at, too. Like, on the cusp of, like, a trend that hasn't even started. He he, he was a trendsetter. So he would do, like, those things. And he'd be like, yo, D, I'm going to give you, like, 12 shirts so you can sell it. Because I told him I'm selling shirts, but I'm just tired of, like, spending three hours on one shirt just to get $100. I'm like, I need to figure out, like, how to monetize like and make more money um he was like all right you ready for silk screening 
So that's when I started silk screening and doing about a thousand shirts. But you said he taught you how to make it a business. So what are a some business. of the keys to having a successful little business? Well, he told me not to take any loans or like borrow money from people. Like he said, it'd be better if like you could use your own money that way. You know, you ain't got to owe nobody no money back. And um, I still kind of go by that, but like to this day, I mean, now like now that my name is so big, my name is Equity, so I don't have to like put up money. People just want me to promote their shit, and I'll get like some type of equity in their company or percentage. So like, you know, but where I was at, like I understood why. So I'll save my money. That's why I said like being on Drake tour, I'll save my per diems, and like um, I'll start a brand, Trap Lord, off like. $100, I'll send it to my girlfriend. She'll get, like, 24 shirts. I already had the silkscreen machines, so I had somebody print the shirts up, send it back to me on tour. I'll sell it. Now I'm, like, I got money now. Now I'm, I'm like, 200 up or something like that, 300 up. I'll send that over, do it again, free up on more shirts. I'm eating ramen noodles, so I ain't really got to worry about buying an expensive meal. By the end of tour, I'm walking away off tour, uh, as tour support and even my tours like really rocky and he brought us out I'm walking away with like $7,000 off tour all I asked can I sell my merch and he said hell yeah so that was really like how I started my business I mean if you can design your own stuff you'll never be broke oh I would never be broke even if I get broke I will know how to get rich again how would you do it um, I always say, like, if I was, like, a homeless person or whatnot, I would just, there's so many things you could do. I've read books about people painting rocks and, like, selling rocks. You know what I'm saying? Like, you go find a rock anywhere, paint that shit and, you know, write a special quote on it and sell it to somebody for at least $2. As simple as that. You stack that. You can have some rocks. You go get some T-shirts from, like, 28th Street. Uh get some prints put on it. Now you got a business running. You're selling rocks and T-shirts. Um, set your table up. The cops are probably going to try to get rid of you. But, you know, you pro- you're you going to make some money. And then at least you'll, you better get like, you know, $500 to at least get like some type of license to sell your stuff. Like on 42nd Street. Now you got a full-blown business. You can hire some employees and get your shit moving. Get it rocking. <laughs> and now I ain't broke no more. At least I could get like a little room or something with one of my friends, you know, pay, pay a little $500 a month, and we could get it cracking that way. Start climbing back up. Exactly. So, wait, before we get into floor seats, how'd you learn how to rhyme? Um, in school, junior high school, actually. Where? Um, I went to IS-90. Okay. And um, in computer class, they, they used to make these do-nows and aims and things like that, and... uh they used to we used to have these journals in our books and the teachers and I thank y'all so much teachers if y'all hear this uh, we they used to make us write like what's going on or what's on our minds like it could be in a form of like a summary or a paragraph whatever but I used to write minds po- like poetry because right. I just like the way it rhymed better and like when I go up in front of the class to recite it I knew it impressed the girls so I was just like man I'm gonna make it rhyme every time. So it started in that form, and then, like, I just love music. So I'm like, 
I got into battle rap. I was writing rhymes, not even on beats, just like to go out and like spit a sixteen and do ciphers and things like that. I used to my best friend Zani at the time. We used to write rhymes together. He used to like write rhymes on his computer all the time, like type his rhymes. I used to come to his house. He'd be like, "Yo, I wrote like four sixteens. I'm like, "Damn, I only got two. So he like pushed me to like write more. And I wasn't never really good on the computer, so I was still writing. He was just typing them joints out. Um, and then one time he told me he rapped to Jada Kiss. And that like boosted minds. Like Jada Kiss was everything. Rough Riders was everything to us back then. And then um I ran into Styles P the day after that. So I was like, I was like going crazy. So I so I rapped to Styles and I came to him, I was like, yo, I rapped to Styles. And he was like, yo, that's crazy. Cause we looked at ourselves like the locks or the rough riders or whatnot. So it was dope. Cause I love Styles, um, style of rapping and his lyrics and Jada Kiss, he loved his voice and he mimicked them a lot. So how did you get better? I got better by just um studying the game. I remember when I first came into the game, and I said this in about like two other interviews, I used to do ad libs like Rick Ross. What do you mean? Like, huh? Like ad libs, like took his ad libs. But I'm like, man, I can't keep, I can't, I gotta develop my own style. Like, it was just me wanting to be original. And I knew that that wasn't gonna work because that wasn't me. I'm, I'm original. Like, I gotta be my own person. I, I took Master P ad libs. Who you hear some of my, my earlier songs? I'm like, oh, that's from Master P. But the way I changed it was I put reverb with my voice. To make it sound like I was falling. And it like reverb with a tail. So I'm like, oh. And then like the um instead of like doing Master P thing all the time, I was just like, man, what do we do? Like, and like, what do we do? Like I started thinking, like, what is the nuances in the hood? Like, how do we call each other? And I was just like, cool, And then like the dam came, like the derm. I just started adding different elements to it. And then the box came from Q-Dogs, actually. People don't know that. Like I used to go to like a lot of Greek um, like parties and things like that where the, the Q-Dogs would be barking. You know, Q-Dogs, they they call us like, so it's just like. Oh, you mean the Omegas? Yeah, the Omegas. Omega Sci-Fi. yeah. Ad-libs are very important to your generation of MCs. Yeah. The, could, old, the older generation, you just spit a verse. Some bars. But for you guys, the ad-libs are extremely important. Yeah. I think everything is important for me. The lyrics, the bars, the ad-libs, everything. I think the ad-libs, sometimes I don't want to put ad-libs on my, my stuff because I just want people to hear what I'm saying. But I know that people just... They love the ad-lib so much. <laughs> it makes it sometimes like you're kind of talking to yourself, like you're commenting on your own music. That's exactly what it is. I'm hyping myself up. Yeah. Like, I'm like, woo, damn. I'm like, all right, that's right. Like, even the all right, that's right, like Pharrell hit it on, he hit it on key, like, of what I was doing. He's like, oh, I get it. I exactly get what you're doing. You're different characters. He's like... You're at a Curtis Mayfield show or like a goddamn James Brown show, and it's the people in the crowd that's saying, "All right, you go there, you you go, you go do that thing." Like that's what I'm doing. 
We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Mm. My voice. Mm. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. So you said you were studying certain people. You talk about Master P, Rick Ross. Who are you studying for your, your verses, your diction, the way you spit? Um, I think about Eminem a lot just on, like, vulnerability. Okay. And how he was so vulnerable. Letting his real pain out. Letting his pain out and letting that pain, being able to um, open up and people relating to him. And Biggie did the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I used to love suicidal thoughts and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, people like Biggie, people like Jay-Z, being a businessman. To me, Jay-Z, like, Jay-Z is like... Steve Jobs rapping 
or something. At this like, point. Or like a business person rapping. Right. Like he's not even supposed to be rapping. Like he's just a businessman, but he's he's giving us knowledge. But he's like business. a brilliant creative businessman who became rich. Yeah. And we still love the product. Yeah. And we Yeah, like even his voice was different. Nobody wanted to sign him. He doesn't look like your ordinary rapper. He's tall. Um yeah, he his changed voice the little, face. His voice is usually a little higher than yeah. most MCs. It's higher, and I think that since it was so um, different, it's, it stuck out. Wayne, love Wayne. I love what Wayne's Wayne did. Man. Wayne just went crazy. Like I used to watch like Wayne a lot. Like when I used to be making chains and like putting like the the stones on a, the pieces and everything like that. I used to just watch his documentary. But on mute, right. just to see him and see the lifestyle and just have it playing on Before repeat. he went to jail, he was, like, unstoppable. Like The God. Like, every mixtape. Around the time he came out feature. with Pussy Monster and all of that. Like, oh, my God. It was insane. Like, he was just, he was tapping in, and I felt a spirit of Bob Marley in him. Interesting. Because I would study Bob Marley, too, and I'd be like, they're trying to reach something different. Like, you don't feel like they're just doing, like, the subpar things or, like, just trying to... Um, it's more spiritual. Like, I feel like it was a very strong spiritual presence in Wayne and Bob Marley because it's just, like, it was just... They was doing shit that was completely untouched. We never seen things they was doing before. I mean, Marley's career and music is really special. Very special. And his message. He's everything. definitely a person from a higher plane or at least speaking to you from a higher plane. He was on a different frequency. Yeah. Um, same thing with Wayne. I think he just tapped all the way in. And I think it's a it's a certain time when an artist taps all the way in where nothing else matters. I feel like that's where I'm at right now. It's like everybody's talking about a party and I'm like, nah. I'm trying to reach something. Like I'm trying to touch something. I'm trying to like get something off. I'm trying to create a sound. I'm trying to like evolve like to the point where like I'm not comfortable doing normal shit. Like I don't care to do like I don't care to bullshit and lollygag like or go on vacations. Only time I go on vacation is to sleep because I'm trying to get to where I'm trying to get to so so bad. You're trying to get to a higher level of music, you're saying? That's, yeah, I'm that's... trying to tap in artistically to a higher level. So what do you do to, like... Tap in? Yeah. Um, I meditate. I study different artists. Um, I go to the club, and I'm listening to, like, what's out. Um, I'm fulfilling a void. Like, I'm trying to create the product that ain't here. I'm talking to the forefathers. I'm talking to Timberland. I'm talking to... Um, Pharrell, I'm talking to um, Diddy, I'm talking to everybody who did something different and charged the game in a way it's never been charged or in a game. I mean, in a way we didn't know that the game needed to be charged. Talk to me about your meditation practice. When do you do it? How long do you do it? I haven't been meditating lately just because I just haven't. Busy. Yeah, busy. And sometimes I fall off of it, but like. But but normally, what are you trying to do? Normally when I when I I just need to be like the best way I could describe it is like you know when um 
say we doing like this podcast, right? And people be like, yo, let me record the room air. So like it could just match up, I guess, like the sound, yeah. the sonic or whatever. I feel like we got to do that with our bodies. Like we need to like be cool with silence for a second. Like we got to like kind of like reset our bodies and like get used to silence again because it could be so much noise. It could be so much everything happening and losing sleep and everything like that. My life moves so fast that I have to sit down. Like I, I constantly got my label in my ear and the label is a whole building. Constantly got like my whole team in my ear. Constantly got everybody in the world opinions about what Ferg should be doing in my ear. Oh, this, that, third, this, da, 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 da. I have to come back down. I have to reset myself, refocus sit in silence, sit with my own thoughts, and just do nothing but just be. How long do you do it for? 15 minutes. There's time that I've done it for 15 minutes, and it felt like I had to go longer, an extra five minutes, like if I'm really, like, feeling it. And I, I, I promise you... Like, I used to look at meditation so stupid. Like, how does this shit work? It's retarded. I don't know how to do it. Right. I looked at YouTubes, this, that, and the third. I heard J. Cole talk about it. I, I read um, I read um, Russell Simmons' book on meditation, and um, it works. It works wonders. I mean, if you when you get in the groove, I mean, I do it sometimes, right. and when you get in the groove... Mm-hmm. You know, and you're really in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it really does tap into something very deeply relaxing. Yeah. Like spiritually relaxing. I don't know if I've t- tapped in that deep, but I know what I feel after. And what I feel after is like, I just feel a sense of a weight lifted off of me. Um, There's times I felt very high strung. And just stress, like, uh, like you know how stressful this game could get. Oh, life. That's why people be high and strung out and on drugs, and that stress be coming out of your pores all kind of ways. People just start eating bad. People start like looking bad. People start taking drugs. People just drink everything. It's, it comes out of you. It's gonna come out some type of way. Yeah. So I think resetting is like rebalancing yourself and like. Poison yourself, like not poison, but like poise. poise. Getting poise yeah. for yourself, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think that's um. You seem uh, very balanced, like yeah. just like mellow. Yeah, I try to keep it that way because it's so easy. I'm a Libra. I don't know if that got anything to do with it. We are scale, but it's so easy. I think for a human being. I mean, there's a lot going on in your mind. Like you talk right. about the label, yeah. the design. I could do this. I got my girl. I got and, but and then, then you like are like chill. And then also too, like I have to be chill because once you start wearing it on your face, your face starts to look like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I ain't trying to be walking around with the crazy looking, scrunched up, like mad. Mm-hmm. You see people with the mean mug and all of that because they've been mad so long. Mm-hmm. And you see people that look to relax and everything. They probably eating good foods. They probably relax. They probably in sun. They put in good things and good vibes and good energy into their bodies. You talked about Eminem's vulnerability. And, you know, when we as men can be vulnerable and have the courage and the strength to allow yourself to be vulnerable, that's a really amazing place. Right. And for a lot of black men... 
being vulnerable is really scary because we're already getting beat down by the world. We're yeah. already underestimated, underrated, undervalued. Right. So being like vulnerable is like, well, damn, like, how am I going to? But if you can get to that, it's, it's freedom. Really pa- yes. It's, that's exactly what it is. It's freedom. And um, I think we're getting better with that as as a people, as a black people. I think we're getting better with that. Like um, just me hearing Jay-Z saying he took therapy. That's the, our biggest rapper ever. I was like, oh, it's okay to talk to somebody. That and the whole 444, that song yeah. was very vulnerable and very, real. It gave us a side to him that we didn't know. All right, we know you're the boss. We know how you you made business moves and transactions. And we, that's all, that's cool. But how do we get there? And yeah. like, what are the trials and the tribulations it takes to get to where Jay Z is at? I mean, as hard as he can be, He'll let the song cry. He'll like basically cry about shooting his brother on the yeah. first album. Yeah. So he'll let it out. And like, you know, I like that you're talking about letting it out and not being afraid of being yeah. vulnerable. Cause like you said, it's so liberating. We right. we wanna be like, yeah, I'm the man, everything is good, I got this, mm-hmm. I'm handling life, but life is hard. I mean, it's like almost like after you talk about it, it's just like you talked about it. There's nothing. It's like when I'm like Scared to wear, like, you know, I, I mean, I ain't scared to, like, do shit. But, like, you get, like, a little feeling of when you're doing something different. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I make, like, the evil Knievel outfits and the pants and stuff, and I'm like, yo, the world is either going to hate this shit or they're going to love it. But I, I don't give a fuck. Like, to me, that's being vulnerable and mm-hmm. opening myself up to the world and, and dressing the way I want to dress and expressing myself the way I want to do it so like when i first started doing it like it's like ferg what the fuck you got on but then like now i got it on and you know now people are wearing more bell bottom pants and things like that it's cool when i was doing months ago it was crazy but now it's like oh that shit is drippy are you vulnerable enough to like cry when you feel that or would you hold it in cry when i feel what like when you feel like that sad um, I've cried and, um, I've like, I didn't think I could cry because, and what, what concerned me was I was becoming so busy that I went to my first, my first girlfriend. She was my first, um, I went to her funeral cause she passed away. Oh, wow. When was that? Uh, that was like a year and some change ago. Oh, wow. And, um, when I went there, I couldn't cry because Literally, I had somebody that was waiting for me outside to finish some interview and documentary thing I was doing. So I'm like, hold up. Like, I got to slow my life down. I wasn't able to cry. I wasn't able to feel. Literally, I'm going back to work. I'm tired. This is fucked up. Like, I want to feel. Like, so... I started focusing more on myself. I started like kind of not driving myself crazy with work and everything like that because I just wanted to get back to what matters, like what really matters. And that's when I start thinking more about purpose and um, and intention of things because now time can't be wasted. Um. Yeah, and when I went to my father's gravesite. 
I cried. And I didn't know that I would or, like, if not, I would have been troubled if I didn't. And I've cried and I kind of, I cried and then I was, like, joyfully crying because I'm like, yes, I cried. Like, I can't believe it. Like, I feel something and good. I let it out. I'm human. Yeah, yeah. And I felt better. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low-sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it, and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member... I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, when Yams passed, yeah. that must have been hard for you. Very hard. What did you, I mean, the, the deaths that you just mentioned and, and, and the funerals, you talked about what you learned, what you got from those moments, mm-hmm. how you grew. Right. So, I mean, I imagine the Yams death is probably the hardest, maybe with your dad, probably the hardest that you've dealt with. So what did you learn? How did you deal? How did you grow from that? It was hard, and it's still hard because I'm still learning from that experience. Like, as I climb and I get and I'm on my voyage and um, I'm experiencing different things, I question a lot of things. Even before I came in the game, I would question things like, yo, why, you know, these guys got so many hits and they look strung out or different things like that. Or, like, how is that possible? But I can see why. And, like, firsthand it happened with my brother Yams. It's like, uh, what I say in Tattered Angel? I say, I, say the, I say something about access. Like, us, is, us being who we are, we have access to everything. We can either self-destruct or we can, we can glow up. Like, and it's just all about choices, about walking this thin line. Like, you can make one wrong move and just be in a ditch that it'd be hard to get out of. Or you could keep making the right moves and dodge the bullshit. That's literally what it is like being an artist for me, at least. Like, I tread lightly. Like, I'm not, like, even, like, trying to, like, like, I don't play. Like, I'm, like, very, I try to be on point. And... You know, Yams, he was battling something that really, like, took him off his his square, and it just, you know, it, it ended up in death. And that really made me, like, 
okay, you could die from making the wrong decisions. So that made you change your life how? I mean, it just it just made me more it just made me more conscious of it of the possibilities of like just as easy to get into shit and it's hard to get out of. Like the trappings of being anybody, not even just the artist, but just the trappings in life. Have you seen Rocky since he got out? I did. I seen him soon as he got out. Yeah. What was that like? That was amazing. I was so tired because I was... Um, Were you like at the airport or when he came home or where was it? No. So uh, I met him at this house he was staying at and I had to fly from Hungary to London, from London to New York, New York to L.A. And I landed in L.A. at 3 o'clock in the morning. Just to go see him. It was a party. Yep, to see him. It was a party, a huge party we had for him. And, like, I brought some people. I called people. We we lit. We go to the party. I pull up, like, 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the cake is already, like, slammed. Like, it's, like, plates everywhere. It's cups everywhere. You see girls leaving and shit. So I'm like, damn. But I got a moment to, like, share with my brother. He was hype. He was still up. We hugged. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm glad you're home. And it was just... um it was just a very, very dope moment. And we stayed up until like nine o'clock in the morning where we went to Sunday service to see Ye and uh, Kanye. everything. Yeah. What were you going through when he was locked up in Sweden? A lot. People don't and, and what, what that made me realize is like when your family member is locked up and when your friends is locked up, like you're locked up. Yep. Yep. Like, I see how that shit could happen. Like, the trickle-down effect. It's because everybody was reaching out to me. I'm like, the guy people was like, yo, all right, how can I get to Rocky? I'm like, I'm the voice, really, for Rocky. Like, I, I'm using my platform to post them every day. And it was crazy, too, because, like, you feel like you can't even be having fun. Like, I felt like, man, I can't be having fun. So Fans going to come at me. For having fun. Yeah. They're going to be like, yo, motherfucker, you having fun outside and your friend is locked up? Yeah. Like, you can't even have fun properly. Feel guilty. Yeah, you feel guilty for being out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, Were you talking to him while he was inside? They wasn't allowing us to talk at first. They wasn't allowing him to talk to anybody. But then um, they allowed, they, they allowed us to talk and... Um, I spoke to him and we spoke for about two hours and um, he was talking about how he's seen himself on TV in jail and shit and how um, I'm just like, yo, you got the world going crazy. Like, this shit is nuts. This is not even a just you thing. This is a world thing. What was he talking about? He was talking about, uh, he said, man, everybody in here got a buck 50 on their face. I'm like, word. You mean a slash? A slash across their face. He said, but everybody's spirits is like up. It's like life as I'm talking to that, like smile every day. And they asked me if I'm good and things like that. He's like, it wasn't no ill will towards him. Um, he was in good spirits. He just wanted to be home. I mean, they made it like, you know, his lawyers made it like, yo, he's going through hell. It's cold. It's this and that. I mean, we wanted him to come home of course and it probably was all of those things like he probably I'm pretty sure like those people was 
you know, some of those people was treating him nice, but at the same time, you're still in jail. Right. Like, you're not home. Like, you're still locked up. You have to listen to when somebody wants you to eat shit, uh, do everything, go like, come cell. out, go on your cell. Like, man, I hate working for somebody else. I could imagine a CEO telling me to when I could shit and fucking do shit. Right. Yeah. When did y'all meet? Me and Rocky met, uh, I had to have been like 16. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, meeting him was critical to you becoming an MC, right? Like, that's part of your... Well, doing it professionally. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, because he was more so on the rapping thing and, like, doing it as a, a, a career. I was doing a rap, rapping thing in the, as a hobby, and I was, like, really trying to push me, like, getting my own fashion brand and doing art. So that was the dream, to that, be a fashion designer. Yeah, that was a dream. That was one of the dreams, yeah. Bigger than being a rapper. Yeah, the dream was never to just be a rapper. Like, the dream was just to be, like, a figure, like, that made change. Because <laughs> I, I, I would pick, and the reason why I say that is, like, I used to pray, and I used to be like, man, I used to pray to God for all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I'm pretty sure every dude did pray right. for all of the girls. I used to want to be a huge figure, I used to see Birdman on his tour bus with like sweatsuits with like stacks of money and jewelry. I'm like, man, I need an assistant that's gonna bring my jewelry back. Like Birdman has his nephew or whoever he was had bringing his big stone rings and going to the Gucci store and spending all of this money. Like I I wanted that, but I didn't know what was gonna get me there. And I also would look at um, Carl Lagerfeld documentaries, Isaac Laurent, Keith Haring. Um, Picasso, Basquiat movies, um, Francis Bacon, Jeff Koons, um, Ralph Simmons, Versace, who killed Versace? Um, Jimi Hendrix, uh, Gandhi, Malcolm X. Like, I used to just study all of these people and I used to read books on them. Elvis, Liberace, uh, you could Elton John. What you could go on and on, Cameron. Like, I would just try to tap in and see what these people was, um, what gave them their charisma and what made them what what made them tap into what they was doing. What'd you learn from from Jeff Koons? Because I love him and his work and how I love he, his work too. How he flips it and he makes just fantastic toys for rich people. Well, I think he's one of the biggest artists. Yeah, he is. Of our time, like if yeah. not the biggest artist, but even Damien Hirst too, like yeah. They just uh, Damien Hirst's work was dark to me. It yes. reminded me of Francis Bacon, but he did like installations with sharks and the, a shark just the, the, just hanging out from yeah, all the high. Yeah. Just like I love that. I'm like piece. how are you hanging this Shark, or how are you... Or a sheep. Yeah, or a sheep. Just sitting there. Like, how are you... Uh, I don't see any bubbles right. in, around it. Like, right, right, <laughs> You know right. what I'm saying? Like, or, like, the pill room, like... Right. Which, like, is something different to me now, being older. Like, I, I like now is, I can ask some questions about stuff like that. Before, I would see it and be like, this shit is just cool. But, like, now, it, that shit meant something for him to do that. Yeah. Um, 
even like uh Jeff Cohn Jeff Coons, like the the huge uh the the glass hearts and yes the um the puppy yeah the puppy or the rabbits and the bubble I mean uh the balloon silver rabbits yep um what I learned from Jeff Coons is team 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 having yeah. a team and delegating mm-hmm. and I learned that from an early age because I was like man he's a big artist he's not necessarily touching every canvas right but. I'm pretty sure he studied Annie Warhol and the whole factory no doubt. vibe because Andy Warhol started that where like he would have people come silkscreen for him. The all the Elvis canvases with the colors and all of that. Like he can he's more of a director. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a new way of creating art. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. They say Picasso was the most important artist of the first part of the century and 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 well, that's argu- that's argu- isn't that arguable with Matisse? Matisse with Picasso and Matisse is going at it. I would say Duchamp is incredibly important for the first half of the century. Okay, I got to study him. I mean, Duchamp would he took a urinal and put it in a gallery and he said art. And they wow. were like, "How is that art? Cuz you signed your name on?" He said, "It's a ready-made. It's done." I went to see it with my wife when she was my girlfriend. Yeah. We went to um, France. We saw it. And I was like, that's not art. And she was way more into art than I was. And yeah. she was like, yeah, it is. And we so, argued for three days. So and how I, is that art? How is that considered art? Because art is everywhere. Everything. everything. It's everywhere. And yeah. like, you know, it doesn't have Math to. Math is art. Yeah. It doesn't have to be some thing that an artist created that only certain individuals can make like anything can be art yeah is that the way you look at it is your perception yeah i mean now is it good art or bad art that's a whole other conversation you could say well i mean but it's perception still yeah as what you see as good and bad because people may consider basquiat painting tires white not art but like Warhol takes that aesthetic and takes the second half of the century and just blows it up he he was inspired by him Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you think he's painting Campbell's soup cans. He's like, anything can be art. Why not a Campbell's soup can? Who's your favorite top three artist? Oh, my God, top three. I mean, Picasso's got to be up there. Definitely. I love Jeff Koons. I love Damien Hirst. I love Basquiat to death. I love Romare Bearden. Haven't heard of him. Oh, Romare Bearden is probably the greatest black visual artist. Harlem guy. Made collages. Where he makes the collages. Yes. I know who he is. Yes. I seen his work. And like beautiful work. William Johnson, another great black artist. Um, um I mean, so I mean I love Kehende Wiley's work. Kehende. Dope. He painted some of my friends early on. That's how I found out about him. He's and amazing. plus he looks like Ice Cube to me. <laughs> <laughs> I love Kara Walker. Okay, I have to, you have to send amazing. me some of these names. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um, More the blacks. Cause yeah. I know, like, the master whites. Kara Walker does some amazing stuff where, like, it'll be like a white wall and she'll put, like, two dimensional black images, like, like the color black. Uh, like out of slavery and it'll be like crazy violent crazy sexual crazy fucked up moments that probably happened for real in slavery because wow and 
she's depicting it and putting it in the middle of the the MoMA or the Whitney and people coming in to like, you know, get their little art fix. And Mm -hmm. she's like stabbing you in the eye with like, you know, this is how it used to be. Like what, what type of art would you put in your house? And like, why? I mean, I mean, you know, I would buy whatever I could afford, but I would definitely get some beard in. I would definitely have, um, I would, I mean, I would love to have Damien Hirst, um i mean you know warhol's amazing um you know i love richard avedon haven't heard of his photographs he's just a great photographer Mm -hmm. um but some of these artists right do you feel like they bring certain moods oh yeah and spirits and energy into your house yeah and that's what i be like I'm, i'm getting into collecting art too so like i think about that i think about moods like and what I want to wake up and see and how is it going to inspire me or, or move me for the day. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's certain, yeah, there's certain pieces, let's say Basquiat, certain pieces will like lift you up because there's an exuberance to it and excitement to it. And there's certain pieces that will freaking drag you down. Yeah. Like that last painting he did. Which one? Which was this uh, skeleton horse. Yes. Yes. It's yes. a beautiful painting, but I couldn't put that in my house. Yo, I used to date a girl who had had a, a heroin issue before we were together. Mm-hmm. And we went to see that painting, and she was like, that's what it feels like to be on heroin. Wow. And I was like, wow. Because that's what he was kind of trying to evoke, like riding with death. Yeah. And she was like, I see it. Like, that piece freaks me out. Freaks me out, too. In a good way. When still. I was younger, like I'm like, that shit is cool. Like That yeah. shit is probably going for mad bread. But oh, now, yeah. like, oh, you yeah. could afford that shit or, like, I can't afford that shit. But I'm just saying, uh, that shit, I couldn't put that in my house. I mean, a Romare Bearden, to me, I would love to have something like that because it's so beautiful and vibrant and dynamic and it's us. Yeah. It's really the spirit of black people in the way he makes it and what he's talking about right. and what he's showing, you know, and the pieces will be incredibly detailed so you can look at it every day and see something a little different and like, you know, that I would really love to be able to look at it over and over and to see something a little different each time. Yeah. You know? I love Rothko. Yeah, yeah. Rothko is just because it's like even if he's trying to evoke violence or emotion or whatever the, like whatever it is, it still can be like it's it's like water to me. Yeah. Cuz it's just color. There's this brother um in LA named Mark Bradford. Yeah. Who's dope. He's one of the dopest current living black artists. Yeah. Definitely check him out. But like Rothko is so powerful and it's so simple. Yeah. It's another one that's like, is this art? I just put one like or two audacity. colors on it. Yeah. But it's like the blends, the color blends, like the yes. black on black, the matte black with the faded black, the the blues that just goes into like the oranges and the yellows. Like that I'm pretty sure Rothko is inspired um height william videos and sure. color and and uh yeah just that that whole time and and mood like Rothko's had to be on height williams mood boards yeah. yeah um there's this sister amy sherald who's crushing it right now amazing portraitist amy, amy sherald yeah remember when um when barack and michelle had their official portraits come out and kahende did barack's and amy sherald did 
Michelle. Oh wow! And it's it's dope. Amazing. She's dope. She's dope. That's amazing. Um, let's go back for a second to MCing. What's the difference between a good MC and a great MC? A get a, a good MC just knows how to rap. A great a great MC has um, integrity. He has um, intention and purpose. A great MC is is Jay Z. What's your top three or five? Jay Z, number one all time. Um, I don't know if it's out of Jay Z and Biggie. Okay. Jay Z, Biggie, and I would just say Eminem. That's your top three. Not mad at you. Yeah. Where's Nas? I love Nas to death. I mean, but you didn't give me a top five. Well, if it was five, is he four or is he right in there? He'll be in there, yeah. What about Rakim? See, I got to study more. I'm young. I'm 30. <laughs> but I know he's the God I've heard. He, he's, uh, I know Rakim is known for breaking the mold of an artist. I mean, Rakim to He me, came after Run DMC. Yes. And he showed us... Um, well, Run DMC showed us that we didn't have to wear costumes and shit. Right. And like to look like what I look like now. <laughs> with I mean, evil pants and shit. Run DMC <laughs> takes the routine era yeah. and makes it a little more complex, right? right. But it's still kind of routines, right? Yeah. They're doing the, the verses flows, together. Yeah. Well, it's rock. And then it's higher. So then, then, yeah, like that. Like, Peter Piper rock. pick peppers. Yeah. Run rock rhymes, right? Yeah. But then Rakim just fucked it all up. Complexity. Yeah. Uh, it was a different level of complexity than everybody had ever done to that point. And I think everybody after him is is his son in a way. And he <laughs> his son. I mean, facts. as an MC. Yeah, facts. He he's the father of the style. Like, yes. Internal of, rhymes. Of us rapping. Multi style and flow. Complexity. Complexity. He's talking knowledge. He yes. wore a seven on his jacket, Dapper Dan jacket. Like. And talking about emceeing. Yeah. Yeah, facts. Factual. Yes. I will have to concur. What is your, what is the most instructive failure that you've had? The failure that you learned and grew the most from? As far as music or just? Anything in life. Failure. For me, there's no such thing as Failure. Okay. Because like uh there's only lessons and no losses. And that's the attitude I try to have. And in fact, the more failure or more uh times we fall, it just makes us stronger. So like I don't consider it a failure. I just feel I just a minor setback for you to make a major comeback. Right. Right. Yeah. Um what do you want for your next four to five years what's your what's your big plan or your big dream i want to build a, a clothing line i want to really i love what kanye did with yeezus and like sneakers and all of that creating his world I, I, i'm continue to create my world and what that is and show people i could use different mediums to to express myself as an artist to be, Beyond so music. You want to move into being a, a clothing designer. Designer, period. Designer of great music, a curator, a DJ. Uh, um, 
I design already, so it's like, design, I designed these pants. Would you design furniture? I designed this watch. I, I designed the rug in Nepal. I took uh, my logo, which is the Devoni logo. It was a childhood brand that I started where I was making belts and leather goods. And, like, I'm starting to do, like, more stuff with it, home goods, because I just brought my first house. So, like, I just wanted to, to decorate it with my own art. I wanted to have the most exclusive shit. So it's like, you know, the way I could do that is just create it. Make my own couches, make my own pillows, make my own rugs, make my own dishes. Okay. Yeah. So where are you going with that next? I'm signed with Adidas. If you go on Google, you'll see like both of my shoes I did. I want to make my own silhouette like beyond Adidas and Jordan and all of that. Like I would love to just make a shoe that, like I love what Tyler is doing with his brand and golf and all of that. What is the silhouette that you people are think Tyler about? is so silly and no 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 crazy no, 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 no. and he's bugged brilliant. out? He's but brilliant. He's a genius. Tyler and that's Crater my is brilliant. What is the silhouette that you are thinking about for your Ferg sneaker? I don't know what that is yet. I'm still like pondering about it. But like the shoe business is just such a great business, and everybody loves shoes, and I would love to be a part of that. Why'd you go with Adidas instead of Nike? Um. They was just the ones I grew with. I met them early on when Rocky did a shoe with uh, them and Jeremy Scott, and we just kept the rapport going. They supported. They brought me out to, like, different shows and paid me to fly to Russia and do things and see the world. So, you know, they got me in bed early, so. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have accomplished a lot. You're dealing with a lot. You're, you're, You're... Succeeding at a lot of different things. What is your superpower? My superpower is vision. I have vision. I can see. Uh, what I say? Uh, how I started off? Uh, tweet. Oh, you not here? All these rappers, I'm gonna put them in dishes. I'm gonna kill all these rappers. I'm gonna put them in dishes. They was rocking with your ass, so they made a decision. A lot of. I'm trying to think of these lyrics I said. But basically, I got the vision. I got the vision for myself and others. Is that a Jay-Z line? I don't know. Is it? I don't know. He said for, I'm all, I say a big verse, I'm big enough, my brothers. I'm big enough to do it. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't think he said vision, though. But I got, I got the vision for myself and others, meaning I can see very far. Very far, like it's a it's a it's a talent. I I I think I've studied people enough to know tribes of people. Like I know that there's a certain type of tribe I'm with. A certain t- I know myself. I know who I'm with. I'm with like Busta, Missy, um, Ludacris, like David Bowie, creative, very creative, extra um, out there, pushing out there, the boundaries, right. Exactly. That's a tribe of people. And like Wayne has a tribe of people where it's like Wayne, like uh Young Thug, Little Uzi, like in a hardcore bunch of like energy. Exactly. Like rock and roll energy. Rock and roll. Yeah. Um and then you also have like the Pharrell, which is like Dallas Austin, like uh Lenny Kravitz. Brilliant creative kind of young even though you're grown yeah yeah uh-huh um 
It's interesting Different you put yourself with Bowie. Yeah. Because he's the man. Bowie is the man. Bowie is the man. He he changed the game. I mean, what I see, like what he does, what he did creatively, sartorially, musically, like totally change up every album and shit. Like, I don't know what sartorially means. Clothing. Okay. In terms of clothing. Like rappers don't usually do that. Right. In terms of like, you know, like painting your face or like changing completely right. and like. I painted my face for uh, the first fashion week I participated in. The first Kanye West fashion show, I had my face uh, painted. I, it's a picture with me, Jay-Z, Travis Scott, Kanye, and I think Nas, and I had my face painted. So I, 10 years from now, are you just designing and not rapping and moving into here's the house of Ferg, you know, or whatever it's called, and, like, I think I'm I more like Lagerfeld than than... I think I will always be rapping as long as I got something to say. Like the moment I ain't got nothing to say, and I'm pretty sure I'm always gonna have something to say. Like I'm always gonna be rapping then. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. This is a very good interview, one of the best. Thanks to my man Ferg for a great interview and thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality and maybe this show can help. I'm on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps and tell your friends about the show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garofano. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment, and we will be back, no doubt, next Wednesday with another amazing person because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.